Heavenly Father, your word is uh, our guide, our rule. Your words bring truth. Your words bring life, Lord. And so we turn to your word now to guide us further, deeper into our union with you, Jesus Christ, and into our unity together as the body of Christ. Give me, uh, your servant, all I stand in need of to deliver your word faithfully this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. I hope you were here last week to hear Ruth preach it up and joy lead in worship. It was awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. And Ruth helped us transition from the first half of Ephesians into the second half of Ephesians. And of course, it was all about leading into our calling, the encouragement to live into our calling faithfully. Uh, that was actually Kelly's words to live by the summer, wasn't it? To live out your calling. And we are called to unity as the body of Christ, to union with Jesus Christ and unity as the body of Christ. And we keep saying this because we have to get comfortable, familiar, and live into this. You can't put, in a sense, the cart before the horse in this situation. Jesus Christ invites us to what we need most, salvation life in him now and forever. And so he invites us to union with himself. But here's the wonderful mystery that has been revealed for us. When I put my life in Jesus Christ and when Grace puts her life in Jesus Christ, we together are in Christ, the body of Christ. And Paul has been building up this union and now this unity. And uh, again, Ruth did just a great job talking about the unity that we are called to and the calling of Connections Church. That's kind of our, our motto uh, is to uh, connect with your calling. We believe that God is calling all people to himself through Jesus Christ by the filling of the Holy Spirit that moves us to faith. And then she just kind of beautifully led us into this affirmation of our unity. And, and Paul, I love, I love the seven things he says. We can all remember seven things. I mean, he just calls us to the one God and Father of all, to our one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the one spirit who binds us together, our one faith, our one hope. And that is together we have one baptism that brings us into the body of Christ. And then together we are one in the body of Christ. And now today we're going to go deeper into this mystery that has been and is being revealed for us. So let me read for us now. We're going to just kind of pick up where Ruth left off. We're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up, actually I'm going to pick up with verse 11. Make sure I get my technology working right. All right, it's working. And as always, you will be called to repeat some things. I think you should know this by now if you've been a part of Connections. I got to make sure you're with me when we're reading God's Word. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip. Somebody say equip. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity. Say unity. unity. That's right. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Somebody say mature. There you go. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness. Somebody say fullness. You're with me. The fullness of Christ. Let me finish it out here. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love. Oh, 
good words for all of us today. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Hallelujah and amen. Uh, what do babies, boats, and charlatans, or hucksters, or tricksters, however you want to phrase it, what do babies, boats, and charlatans have in common? This mixed metaphor, thank you. Somebody read my email. I, I, by the way, I see how many people open my emails. I have a little metric that tells me like two people opened my email this past weekend. Read your emails from the church, people. All right, I will speak the truth and love now. What does this mixed metaphor have in common that Paul is calling us to our maturity in Jesus Christ? He wants us to be called to our unity, our maturity, and our fullness. I was wondering what to call this message. There's a lot of things we can call it, but I think to be blunt, to be terse, not to be rude, Paul's message for us is grow up. It's time to grow up and grow into our union with Christ and our unity as the body of Christ. This mixed metaphor makes a clear point for us. We need to grow up into our faith so that we will not be tossed about like babies. We need to weather the storms of life because storms will come crashing into us and your faith needs to be strong and built on the foundation. And then together we can continue to stand up against false teachings, the deceptive schemes, and many have been falling prey, I think, to deceitful, deception, deceptive ways, charlatans, hucksters, again, tricksters. This is what he's inviting us into. He's saying, don't be babies anymore. We don't blame a baby for being a baby, right? I went to visit Mateo. Is Mateo here this morning, by the way? Is Mateo here? Is he? Oh, he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't get, all right, little Mateo. I had the pleasure of leading little, little Mateo, our, our newest little connector uh, the other week. Uh, here's how the visit didn't go. I didn't walk into the house and be like, yes, Mateo, your pastor is here to see you. I mean, I kind of do because it is very important for me to imprint on babies, by the way. I, I, I see most babies born in the church within 24 hours. I want them to feel me. I want them to smell me. I, I've read about that babies actually imprint on people and I want them to know their pastor. I'm kind of joking. I'm kind of not. Um, when I came in and I said, Mateo, I'm here to see you. I wasn't like, Mateo, stand up to honor your pastor. Greet me at the door. Uh, why are you not offering me a cup of coffee and refreshment? Would any, uh, no, I'd be a fool. We don't blame a baby for being a baby, right? We love the baby. We embrace the baby. But, you know, if I walk in to visit uh, Mateo 20 years from now and he's lying on the floor and in a diaper and, 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 and Sarah's trying to feed him a bottle and Chris is like, yeah, I, there, we would know something is wrong, right? I, 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 there would be something profoundly wrong with this situation if Mateo was still acting like a baby 20 years from now. We love the baby. We care for the baby. We nurture the baby. But we encourage all of that so that the baby may grow up into maturity. That's what Paul is saying to us. There's a lot of people, like kids distracted in a candy store. They've just been distracted away from the faith. 
there's a lot of opportunities I could kind of go off and get a little preachy on this message, but a lot of people have been distracted by the pandemic, uh, by social media, uh, by division in the church, by economic crisis, by hardships in our lives. There's a lot of things that have kind of distracted many Christians, and they've sort of like wandered off like the kid in the candy store. He says, don't be like a baby. It's time to grow up in your faith. He, he, he's telling us, don't be like this boat just, just, just tossed about in the storms of life. Uh, I've grown up with this metaphor of the rudder being, you know, powerful and, you know, a small part that controls the whole ship. And the Bible uses a lot of those metaphors, actually. I, had, I finally experienced it, though, this summer. We have a stand-up paddleboard. Anybody do stand-up paddleboard? Anybody do stand-up yoga on a paddleboard? I tried that out there. It's kind of fun. You stand on your head and you fall over in the water. Um, so Robin and I had a chance. We have this stand-up paddleboard. I only got to use it one time this whole summer. We went down to Chatfield. We pumped it up. All the big parts were there. The board was there. The paddle was there. The life jackets were there. I was missing that one tiny little part. My children had lost the rudder at some point. I thought, hey, I'm down here. I pumped this thing up anyways. I'm going to take advantage of this situation now. So I jumped on the stand-up paddleboard, and I tell you what, it's impossible. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just literally just, just can't do, you, you are tossed. I experienced how powerful that tiny little rudder is. I was helpless to go in a straight line to get anywhere. I was just being tossed about. That's what Paul is telling us here. Storms are gonna come into your life and you need to be ready with the rudder of faith. You need to have some things established so that it doesn't just wipe you out. And there's people, again, that they were raised maybe with a faith or they just were, were led down a path that said, hey, you know what, when you give your life to Jesus, you know, everything's cupcakes and sprinkles, you know? You're never going to get sick. Uh, nobody ever loved is ever going to die. Uh, you're always going to have a great job and you're going to get the promotion. Uh, it's going to clear up your acne and you're going to finally grow to six foot tall, George. I mean, like, like it's like, like, no. You're going to hit some storms in life. Suffering is a part of life. It's how you show faith in Christ and maturity in Christ and walk through those things. It's going to be one of your most powerful witnesses to the world. So stop drifting around in these storms of life. And, and then he kind of goes into this. And, and I don't want you to be deceived by these charlatans. These people are going to be leading you astray. And again, it truly, I'm saying this in a sense because it, it just breaks, it just breaks my heart uh, that people are being led astray. They're being fed a consistent diet from our culture, from social media, from the world that is eroding faith. Here's the fact of the matter. This morning cannot compete with the rest of the week if your faith is not being undergirded by so much more. We just can't compete. I just can't compete as your pastor. I just can't compete to a 24-hour news cycle. I can't compete to a phone that is always beckoning you to just scroll social media. I can't compete with the voices of culture, culture that are hounding you from the moment you walk out those doors, every hour, every minute, if you allow it. All I can do is stand up here and say, please feed yourself a more steady diet of worship together as the body of Christ. Please feed yourself a diet of fellowship in the body of Christ so real people, flesh and blood people, people that know you, people that love you, people that will care for you, will speak more into your life than the scrolling on social media. 
be a part of serving together in things like the Winter Shelter Network because as Amy so beautifully testified, that will do something in you that you will like, that you will grow from, that you will be blessed by. We just need to be growing up in our faith in these deeper and deeper ways. And that is what Paul is inviting the church in Ephesus to. That is what God is inviting us to. And that, of course, is what your pastor is inviting us into, to step into, to grow into this unity, this maturity, this being fully equipped as the body of Christ to do all the works that God is preparing for us to do. I'm going to tell you a transitional story here to kind of get deeper into the sermon now. I've got a pet peeve. Here's my pet peeve. Um, Every conversation eventually leads to, well, what do you do? And I think I've talked about this before. Whenever that question, what do you do, comes to me, I get one of two reactions. The first reaction is, well, I'm a pastor. Immediately, people might get this look like a ghost, you know, on their face. They kind of go white. Oh, did I say something sexist? Did I say something racist? Did I say something vulgar? Did I say something offensive? I will tell you this, by the way. I'm not offended if you want to be polite around me. I will not offend it at all if you don't want to be racist, sexist, crude, crass, obscene around me. That doesn't hurt my feelings one bit. I would actually encourage that for all of us. But when people have this, like, look, I'm a pastor, they just sort of immediately evaluate their life and they start backing away. And I'm like, dude, I, like I just said I'm a pastor. I didn't say like, you know, like I sell drugs to children or I'm a lawyer. I mean, I'm a pastor. So <laughs> I always have to say this, every lawyer I know has told me every lawyer joke I know. So, that, so no, I mean, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I sense people then like there's that kind of backing away. Or people do the opposite. They kind of lean in. Oh, you're a pastor. Now, here's the point of this. Here's what people will most often say. Oh, you're a pastor. I go to such and such church. I know that saying you go to such and such church can just be vernacular, a common way of saying, I am a part of a church. I do worship with a church. I do fellowship with the church. I am in service with the church. I am in a Bible study with the church. I am fully invested in a part of the body of Christ at such and such church. I know that it can just be a short verse way of saying all of that. But I do fear that too often it doesn't. That too often, too many of us do just go to church. We just go to church. We just go when it's convenient. We go when we're available. We just go as a kind of a part of our life. But what Paul is teaching us, what I am trying to preach to you today, my friends, is that God did not send his son, Jesus Christ, so that you could just go to church. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross and rise to new life so that you could just go to church. The Holy Spirit has not come into your life and awakened you to faith and is filling you with fruit and wants to give you gifts that we're about to get into. The Holy Spirit has not done all of this for us so that we can just go to church. No, the invitation is to union with Christ and unity in the body of Christ and to be the church. We need to be the kind of people who are so bold that when we are asked about our faith, we don't say we go to connections. We say we are connections. Somebody say we are connections. Somebody say we are connections. 
Thank you. Say it, believe it, live into it. We need to be connections. We need to be connected to Jesus Christ. We need to be connected to the body of Christ. We need to be the church so that you don't go to church. The church goes with you. When you go and hang out with your co-workers, the church shows up. When you gather around the table with your family, the church shows up. When somebody is in need and you take them a warm meal, the church shows up. We need to be the kind of people who are the church. So the church is us and we are the church and all of those things. And we just keep living into being the church ever and always. This is why God sent his son. This is why Jesus Christ died for us. This is why we have the Holy Spirit living us. This is why the temple has been destroyed and Jesus did care because he said you are now the temple and the spirit lives in you and church goes where you go we are now the church and it's time to grow up it's time to get united and it's time to fulfill the good works that i prepared in advance for you you need to be fully equipped to fulfill this mission of being the church and my people my people in truth and in love i'm not saying this to try to be the the pulpit pounding preacher the world needs us the world needs us now more than ever. And maybe every generation can say that, but the world needs us. The world needs mature Christians. The world needs a unified church. The world needs the witness of us fully equipped and fulfilling our part in the body of Christ. This is our calling. This is the calling that Paul is moving us into in the second half of Ephesians. And this is the calling we are inviting you to live out here as a part of the church here. Ah, oh, my people, my people. Paul then gets into it. What does it mean not to just go to church, but what does it mean to be the church and to live into our maturity, to become a people who are fully equipped in living it out and in doing this in unity? The first thing he does in this transition is he builds sort of the foundation of the church. And he says, this is why Christ sent the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the, the preachers and the, the teachers. Now, here's where it's going to be difficult for me. You can say a lot about this, or you can say a little about this. And to the best of my ability, I'm going to try and say a little about this, because this could be a whole Bible study. This could be a whole Sunday school class. This could be a whole group working out the gifts and the callings of the Spirit to lead the church. Many have made much of this, and we should all make much of Scripture, but many have made much of this by saying this is a blueprint for the church to be built on these five offices. They will say that these are not just gifts of the Spirit, but that these are offices of the church. And the church is to be built on this. I don't preach that and I don't teach that. <laughs> Because if you're reading the New Testament and you read, you're reading the first of Paul's letter to the book, uh, to the church in Rome, you could get to chapter 12 and you could read about seven gifts. And you'd say, oh, so it's a sevenfold ministry and seven gifts that include serving uh, and gifts of mercy. And you'd say, okay, the church is built upon this. And then you keep reading the Bible, the word that God has given us. And we get to the letter to the church in Corinth and you say, oh, I think there's nine gifts here. So, so we have a ninefold ministry. And again, there's some crossover with Ephesians, but there's some new stuff, even tongues and some things that seem really different, you know, out there. And then you'd get to Ephesians and you'd say, oh, wait, no, it's five gifts. And, and you'd keep reading through the letters. You'd keep reading about all these gifts. And you might finally conclude the church is built upon the 28-fold gift ministry. <laughs> or you could just say, it's not so much like a blueprint 
And you know what? If you want to build your church on this ministry, I, 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 I'm going to say go for it. It's not a bad thing, but I don't think it's the fullness, the fullness to which Paul speaks just a verse later, all of us living into the fullness of Jesus Christ, all of us reflecting these gifts because it lands on me something like this. We are all being, in a sense, apostles when we are willing to get up and go and share the good news with people who haven't heard and people who are in need, right? We can all go. We can all be sent in that way. We can all be prophets because we already have the Bible. We have the prophecy given and the prophecy fulfilled. We have the words of the prophets given for us. So anytime we speak the Bible into our lives or the lives of others, we're being prophetic. We can all be evangelists. We can all go and tell somebody about Jesus Christ and invite them to the joy of salvation and the joy of forever with him and with the body of Christ. And it is a joy and it is a gift and it is good news. We can all be pastors when we go and we care for somebody in our life. We can all be a teacher when we take a child or a new Christian by the hand and we walk them through this revelation of God's plan for redemption for us and for all of creation. We can all live into the gifts of mercy, to the gifts of leadership, to the gifts of service, all these gifts listed out for, for us. So yes, it means a lot. We should make much of it. I just don't think it's the blueprint for the church to be built on. But we could talk about that. We could have a class about that. We could read about all of these gifts and that would be fun. I'll be here after church. Let's talk more about it. This is the whole point though. He wants us all to be fully equipped. Now, I, I, I will say this. Let me just give something very personal. I, I, I will, uh, I'll just give something personal. Then we can edit out of the audio or the video if we want later. <laughs> Here, here's why. I, I've met some people who said they were apostles sent by God. And they did not do that under the authority of any church or the authority of anybody. anybody and they were out there on their own. I have met people who have said that they were prophets. And they were saying things and doing things that I thought were in direct contradiction to God's word. I have met people that said, like, I'm an evangelist. And they, too, were just going around place to place, town to town, country to country, and were never existing in the fellowship and the communion of the body of Christ. I'm just a little suspect. <laughs> Biblically, I think. Faithfully, I think, and I believe. Of people who make so much of these, they begin to set themselves apart from the body and the unity of Christ. Because the whole point of this is to bring us into, right, the unity of the body of Christ. And what Paul is leading us into is saying, and these people in these leadership positions, and Christ did this, and earlier we read in Ephesians that the church is being built on the prophets and the, and the apostles, the prophets who came before Jesus, the apostles that Jesus sent. All of this is being sent, uh, we are sent out by Jesus Christ, being built up by Jesus Christ. So now that all of us, all of us can be fully equipped to do the work that we are called to do in ministry and mission together. And so that is what he's saying in verse 12 there. Get equipped and grow up. Get equipped and grow into your gifts. Get equipped and live into the fruit of the Spirit at work in you. Get equipped and grow into this mission and this ministry that God is calling us to. 
God wants the leadership of the church to equip all of the people of the church for all of us together to fulfill our mission. And here's my second and then getting really personal. Here's my second personal and then we'll finish out the sermon here. I've failed at this, but I think I've failed at this for the most noble of reasons. I've made much of my calling to be a pastor. I've taken it quite seriously. Ever since I made my ordination vows, since I committed myself to being a part of the church of Jesus Christ and wherever he would call me and wherever the church would affirm me, I've made much of my calling. I've made so much of my calling that to be perfectly honest, I've tried to take control of a lot of things because the worship has to be right. Because the preaching of the word has to be right. Because the Bible studies need to be led faithfully. Because the service must be done in the name of Jesus Christ. I have tried to control a lot for the best of reasons, but what I think I'm getting better at is saying I am not called and equipped to do all of the work of the church because I cannot be called and equipped to do all of the work of the church because it takes the whole church working together to fill up, fulfill its calling. And so I think I'm getting better at helping people to be equipped and to live their part of their mission and ministry. I'm really good at handling my personal finances. I've given faithfully to the church my whole life. I've saved faithfully my whole life. I've lived within my means my whole life and have not gone into debt. But that doesn't mean I should run the church books because others can do that better. There was a time doing youth and campus ministry where I led worship. I can actually play the guitar. I can actually carry a tune. I sound like an angel from heaven. I'm glorious. No, maybe not, because I realized others should lead the worship of the church. I could give more examples. But we have to get comfortable with a release and a trust and a faith in God and the people we fellowship with and what God is doing in their life and just begin to embrace that and celebrate that and work together in unity around that. And then that's where Paul calls us and that's where he goes into that whole last section where he says, please, please live into this equipping, live into this calling. Don't be like babies, the stuff I started with. Don't be like babies and just wander off. Don't let the storms of life just cause you adrift and don't be taken in by deceitful tricksters and hucksters and charlatans who are going to try and lead you astray. No, grow up into this maturity and this unity as the body of Christ. And then he goes beautifully into how God is just binding us and bringing us all together to work in union with Christ as the head. I'll end with this story. I've told this story uh, before. I don't know if I've told it though in, in, in years. When I first started off in ministry, I was doing a lot with campus and youth and experiential education, that, which means a lot of rock climbing, a lot of camping trips and a lot of high and low ropes courses. Anybody here ever done a high ropes course, a low ropes course, done some rock climbing, done some of that stuff? I'd still teach rock climbing over the ridge. I'll take you out climbing sometime. We'll have a good experiential education moment around it. I was fresh into the ministry. I, I think it was in my first or second year in ministry. And I was taking a group of students into a high and low ropes course experience. And the whole high and low ropes course experience, the whole idea of experience education is you just create these uh, situations where you can't do it alone. 
the wall is just going to be too high, uh, the chasm too wide, the rope too far out of reach. It's just structured in a way that you can't do it alone. So you begin to learn how to work as a team, as a body together. So we explain all this to this group of students. And by the way, this is a part of my ministry. This actually wasn't even a church group. This is a college group. I believe at this time it was a group of students who are going to be RAs at the college where I was doing ministry. And we explain all this to these RAs who are going to need to work together in their dorm and to be unified. All these wonderful biblical teachings that translate really, really well into the real world. It always amazes me how the Bible really works well in the real world. And, and so we set this all up. And then at the end, there's always that invitation, you know, kind of, do you get it? Do you get what we're about? Do you understand what's happening? Do you have any questions? And, you know, we go through that. And then it's kind of like, hey, you know, do you want to kind of come together, create kind of a team name or motto or some kind of a cheer to get these guys going? And this one guy out of nowhere goes, Voltron power. Anybody have any idea what that means? Voltron power. Nobody? Nobody knows Voltron. Nobody. One guy in the back, Mike, my man, my pop culture aficionado back there. You always seem to be the guy who knows these obscure references I make. Voltron was this crazy, crazy story. It was, I think it was like a real live action thing, like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. But the Voltron Force were these five young warriors, and they were fighting against, I think the guy's name was Zarkon. Those details don't matter so much, except that in order to fulfill their mission, their ministry, their calling to be the defenders of good, they discovered the five lions of Voltron. I'm not making any of this up, by the way. This stuff really exists out there. They donned the five lions of Voltron, big machines, and they'd climb inside, and they'd fight the bad guy. And every episode ended with this. They'd be fighting as individuals, and the forces of darkness just seemed too strong. Surprise, surprise, right? Ugh, it just looked like they weren't going to be able to do it on their own. And then as if, you would be surprised at this every episode, as if all was lost. And again, darkness would prevail. One of these young warriors and one of these lion machines would call out, Voltron power! I won't ask you to yell out Voltron power right now. And they would come together to form the one mighty unit of Voltron. One would become an arm, another a leg, another a leg, and then this kind of head would appear and together, united as Voltron, they would win. Hallelujah and amen, right? Had somebody on that writing team, one of those creators, must have gone to Backyard Bible School or whatever Wendy was talking about or VBS or grew up in the church because my people. That is what Paul is teaching us. And that is what Christ is calling us to. Not Voltron power, but the power of the risen Christ at work in you and bringing us together as the body of Christ so that together we can be one. We can be one in God, the Father Almighty. We can be one in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We can be one in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. We can be one in our faith. We can be one in our hope. We can be one in the baptism of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can become, as he says at the start of chapter four, one body working in perfect unity, working in perfect maturity, working together for the fulfillment of our mission. Whew, 
That is the invitation, my friends. And with that, I want to invite Zach to come back up. And he's going to lead us in a time of worship. And how, oh, I forgot my communion cup. You're going to need your communion cup. I won't ask you to throw it because that would be disastrous if this would spill. So, And we are going to celebrate our unity as the body of Christ. Because we have been called to Jesus and to union as the body of Christ. We are being fully equipped to fulfill all that he calls us to do. And we are invited to do this together in unity as we grow up in our faith. <clears throat> Let me say a prayer for us. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for this time of worship, of learning from your word, and celebrating together in fellowship. I want to affirm and lift up for Connections Church here this morning that we have been called. We have been called and we are on the process. We are working out living a life worthy of this glorious calling that you've spoken to each and every one of us. Thank you for calling us. Lord, you have promised that you are equipping us. You're equipping us for all the works you're preparing in advance for us to do. You're equipping us for our mission together as our church and the ministry of each and every individual here. And you're inviting us now to grow up, to grow up in our faith, to grow up in Jesus Christ, to grow up as the body. And we know we need to be fed in order to grow up. And so we come to your table, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Friends, we do come to the table. We do come to feast at the communion of the saints. And remember how often Paul is reminding us that because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are saints. Jesus invites us to this table to commune together because he knows we need to give thanks and we need to be fed. We need to be nourished. We need to keep growing up, keep living out this calling, keep maturing as the body of Christ, keep fulfilling this mission that the world needs us to be on and to be on with passion and fire and power. And so we come to this table where our Lord Jesus Christ invites us to eat and to commune together. Now, let me say this, friends. If for any reason uh, you feel you cannot or will not participate in our communion here, there is no judgment. We love you. We want to do life with you. We want to serve you. We want to answer any questions you might have about this or pray with you about it. But our table here at Connections is open to all who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and want to be fed by him and to commune together as the body of Christ. For on the night that Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, was to be deceived, betrayed, handed over, beaten, spat upon, mocked, ridiculed, crucified, dead and buried. On that night when he and his disciples gathered in that upper room, after giving thanks to God, he took the bread and he lifted it up and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat, each and every one of you. And after supper, he took the cup and he lifted it up and he gave thanks to God saying, this cup is now the new covenant that is fulfilled and my blood is about to be shed for you. 
take and drink and do this for the remissions of your sins. Do this for, to proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. Take and drink. Let me again pray. We do give you thanks, Lord Jesus Christ, for allowing your body to be broken for us, to rise again in new life so that we might have life in you and we might have life together as the body of Christ. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for your blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins, the great price that you paid to win for us what we needed most, our salvation. We give you thanks for this meal, and I pray that every man, woman, child, everyone gathered here will in fact be nourished, be fed, so that we can be fully equipped. We can be growing into our maturity as the body of Christ, and part of the, our maturity is that we will commit to continue doing this, in unity together. In union with you, Jesus Christ, in unity as the body of Christ, we know this is the worship and the witness that the world needs, our union and unity in you. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Let's worship a little bit more.